Welcome in to another episode of Hoops Tradamus. Today, a little free agency check-in. It's me, Adam Shalafu, and my buddy, Hami Arain. How are you doing? Doing great. Uh, it's a really rainy day here in Chicagoland. Um, it's been raining all day. It snowed early in the morning. Snowed um, here but- in uh, Colorado as well. Yeah, it's. I mean, I think this is the second time in 2020 that it's kind of started snowing, and then it just it said like the other time it just rained off later throughout the day. So it doesn't really look like it snowed. It's just really wet. Well, you know, uh, it's not too bad for Chicago this time of year. We'll say that much. Yeah, not at all. Yeah, I mean, I'm just waiting for that. You know, that I think we're all just waiting for that blizzard. But I don't know. I mean, at the same time, I feel like you know we could, it could be pretty mild. You know, we'll see in February. We will. We will. That's usually when it uh, really hits. Uh, anyway, as, as I said, yeah, kind of getting a little bit of a check in. Uh, we were doing the closure series for a little bit. and uh, Those days are, I mean, I guess pretty much behind us because we're not talking about what you want in free agency anymore. We're talking about what's actually happening. And so uh, a lot has happened since we've kind of had one of these uh, shows. Today, we're not just focusing on one team. We're focusing on a few teams. Uh, We're going to talk a little Lakers, a little Hawks, a little Blazers, Rockets, a little Phoenix Suns, and uh, then some interesting teams out east making some moves as well uh, in the Celtics, Pistons, Sixers. Not necessarily winners, but interesting. And so uh, let's start with the defending champs who are just continuing to get even more unfair. Actually, I actually want to talk about one thing before we talk about the Lakers okay, and another okay. team uh, that I totally forgot because this was like the first thing that happened. Bogdanovich to the Bucks never yeah. went through. Yeah, and now I don't. So now, so I now don't. he's on the Atlanta Hawks, which is just a great fit. <laughs> Atlanta's really stocking up their – Yeah, they're really. We'll get into them a little bit later, but that was the first move. I mean, also Drew Holiday, I think, was also made. Might, that might have been kind of the first move too. It was a mm. trade. Um, but, yeah, like, that one just kind of – I don't know. I, I really don't know what happened there. I don't know if he, he caught cold feet or something. That's what people might be saying. But I don't know. I mean, like, it I don't know. If it was kind of convoluted, confusing. I don't know what happened either. Yeah, yeah. That that was a really weird one. It feels like we have something like that every year, you know, something yeah. similar to that where, like, a free agent might say that they're going somewhere, but they go elsewhere. But we already kind of had that with Dwight Howard kind of trolling Laker fans. Yeah, and then he goes uh, to the Sixers. Yeah. Which is a decent enough fit. Yeah, I mean, like, he's probably going to be the backup. He'll probably uh, so, play a lot more there. Yeah, he's going to have definitely more of a, like, a bigger role there. And maybe the Lakers probably just saw that, you know, like, you, you did what we needed you to do, and, you know, we can move on without you type of thing. And But, like, going to the defending champs, I, I really don't know where to begin them because they've really been active, and uh, I've given the Lakers a lot of – the front office a lot of shit because, you know – I didn't, frankly, I didn't think they deserved LeBron. You know, LeBron is such yeah. a great talent that, like, I, you know, like, but then, you know, the more I think about it, I think one of my older cousins was telling me, he's like, you know what? They're kind of made for each other because, you know, the Lakers needed some guidance and well, LeBron as, is uh, Mr. Guidance. And also, as the great Joakim Noah once said about the Miami Heat, Hollywood is hell. And so, yeah, so it's, it's, a, it's a great fit because, yeah. you know, the Heat was such floppers, too, so dramatic. Yeah. And, ah, geez, I don't want to go off on this tangent, but as Bulls fans, I still remember just the pain of, (laughs) you know, sweeping the regular season almost every year, it seemed like, against the LeBron Heat. And then 
like losing in five in the playoffs. Yeah, always playing up to them in the regular season. And it, it'd be it'd be really fun games. I mean, uh, but it would it really was great basketball theater. And it, it's ironic. Do you ever think about how Michael Jordan was that guy to Cleveland that LeBron turned into? To Chicago. Yeah, right. I, I did not make that uh, connection until the 2015 playoffs when he made that game winner. I was like, damn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like the shot over Elo, the shot over Butler. You know? Yeah, yeah. And that was a that was a hell of a shot too. I, mean, I, yeah. I still can't believe he made that. Yeah. And I think there was also one last thing before on LeBron, but I think they're 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 they were going to call the play to have him inbound the ball or something like that, and he was just like, screw that. Del Vadova inbounds, and I'll shoot. You know, yeah. um, really amazing stuff. I mean, it's, you know, I'm really hot and cold on LeBron. I've obviously, you know, with the, the whole career, but, you Such know. Such a David Blatt move. LeBron, I, I know, I know, yeah. <laughs> LeBron with the game-winning assist. It's <laughs> European for you. I mean, like, no one no one is above anyone. You, yeah. you gotta, you gotta, you gotta honor it. But, Socialism, coming up again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, uh, man, like, the Lakers, I mean, like, Marcus All going there. I mean, that one, I mean, like, it that one for a lot of people were like, Oh shit. You know, that was kind of that move for a lot of people was like, it's oh, a God. really good fit. It's from- a really great fit. And Marcus goes back to the Lakers, the team that drafted him. Yeah. And um, his, his yeah, rights- I mean like Gasol is old, but like, you know, he's still like, you know, like Pau Gasol, he's still going to be effective, you know? Well, I mean, having someone with that kind of basketball IQ is really going to help. And I don't expect him to put up these astonishing numbers, but He's one of the best passing big men of all time. Uh, he really didn't have a standout season. He was uh, 35 for most of the year last year, had a career low in points, seven and a half points per game, uh, a career low in rebounds, 6.3. This isn't the all-star Marcus Saul that we saw in the previous decade. Uh, we're going into tw- the the 2020s now, you know, not, not the 19 or the, the 2010s, whatever year it is, whatever uh, decade it is. Uh, but this guy shot 35% from three on his career. He has been uh, just a key component wherever he's been. And I would go out on a limb and saying that Toronto, even if he averaged, you know, nine and seven and four, like they don't win that championship without him. And uh, you put that kind of guy who can help provide more space on the perimeter, who's another really good passer, and is still a huge body, that's a better fit than they had at center all year last year. Yeah, I mean, he's he really is like the perfect fit. I mean, you're, you're going to see a lot of alley-oops to LeBron and, and Anthony Davis, and uh, it just makes me really jealous. But, uh, you know, he's yeah. kind of been declining you know, ever yeah. since they won the championship, but he was huge for the Raptors against the Sixers. Like they really needed him on defense. Um, you know, that, that, but that series was kind of like uh, the whole Kawhi show. That was honestly one of the closest series that we might see to actually like Michael Jordan type of like performance. Kawhi in the 76ers. Also Jamal Murray also kind of had like an amazing run this year yeah. in the first round. Yeah. I mean that, uh, that Sixers series really could have gone either way. It came down to the final shot with Kawhi. I think the big move for Los Angeles so far is Montrez Harrell. What a steal. <laughs> what a steal. I mean – Taking it from the little brother. Yeah. Like, not only is that a huge get for them, but it's a huge middle finger to, as you said, the little brother uh, that blew a 3-1 lead 
against the Denver Nuggets. You know, I mean, that's, that's not something the Lakers do. That's something the Clippers do. And the Clippers are still the Clippers, I guess. And Montrez Harrell seems to uh, have that opinion as well. And that's just another super active defender, a guy who's going to get under your skin. And, I, you know, I'm excited to see Marcus All out there with Anthony Davis, but I'm more excited to see Anthony Davis and Montrez Harrell out on the floor together with LeBron James in the sensational dunks we're going to see. Uh, and I think LeBron, he can absolutely still throw it down. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, he's going to set those guys up for some highlights. Yeah. I mean, it's just like the perfect role, man, for LeBron. And, uh, again, you know, the Clippers, they haven't done so bad for themselves, I guess, cause they did end up getting Ibaka, which is a pretty big move. Uh, it's yeah. a nice void because, um, Ibaka can actually shoot. He's not like a complete you know, I don't want to say black hole because I feel like, you know, black hole is just not the – it's such a common term, but it's like a black hole is everything – everything goes around the black hole, basically. The black hole is more like an offensive player, you know, like James Harden. I, I shouldn't say, you know, because everything goes through James Harden. Yeah, you know? you He's might the black hole, the but I'm, that's not a negative connotation. You know, I'm just saying that it's literally sucked into his way, you know. Um, anyways, but like – so like he's like – not known for his offense, obviously. So, like, basically, Ibaka provides, you know, some spacing. He actually is some, someone who's valuable on both ends, really. Yeah. So, that, that's a really nice consolation prize, if I should say. But right. uh, the Clippers are also, like, you know, they're more, like, in a kind of a show-me mode, you know? Like, yeah. you know, show us what you got and that type of thing. You know, and they, they should have been in the conference finals. We know that. But, you know, I, I think uh, I think they're ready to move on. I mean, uh I, I hope so. I mean, I, yeah. you know, Paul George has been kind of disappointing me in the last couple of years, but, you know, things can turn around quick. You never know. Yeah, and we were talking about the Clippers a lot last night in the Hoopsterdamus group chat, and so, you know, maybe we'll hold it off on them just because some things could be happening. But, you know, I think the key term you used is consolation prize because you're getting Serge Ibaka, who's kind of entering the latter stages of his career, while you're losing this guy who – just won six man of the year, you know, only played 28 minutes a game, but 19 points per game, seven rebounds and, uh, you know, shooting close to 58 per, or close to 60%, uh, 58%. And, you know, per 36 minutes, this guy is 24 and nine. And, um, you know, LeBron teams like to run. Uh, I think that, he's just going to be a really good fit there. He can play power forward or center. And so they have like these two, cause I don't know who's going to, I, I feel like Anthony Davis starts at the center and Montrez starts at the power forward, or maybe they're both kind of interchangeable bigs, but it's nice to have that interchangeable uh, big option. And then you have your stretch five in Marcus Gasol, but all three of those bigs are really they're going to fit very well together. Uh, Montrez is uh, not a great three-point shooter by any stretch. Uh, frankly, he's probably, you know, a, a bad one, right? Yeah, he, he didn't <laughs> – he shot a clean zero this year. So he's not someone who's going to be taking those. Uh, but Great golfer. Because, yeah, but because of uh, Anthony Davis and the work he's going to be able to do uh, on the perimeter, as you saw, you know, hitting some of those game-winning threes even – he's a guy who's turned into a really good shooter. And so when you have Montrez Harrell out there in, 
that gives you the ability to keep Davis on the outside without really losing much. And uh, he's not nearly as big as JaVale McGee or Dwight Howard, but he is extremely active and just, I think he's, he's going to be a really important defender. And kind of, like I said, at the beginning of this Lakers conversation, it's just like, they seem to be getting more unfair. Those are the two big pickups. Markeith Morris is back. Uh, Wesley Matthews is uh, now with the Lakers as well. And yeah. then uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope is back, but uh, I don't think we really need to get into those. I think uh, what what's done is done. You got a, a crafty, like Mac and cheese crafty veteran in Marcus Saul. And then you got a guy entering his prime in, in Montrez Harrell. Yeah, I can see them going, I can see them interchanging, you know, Gasol and Harrell four and five, you know, uh, or five or whatever at the start of the season. Maybe, maybe they'll make a switch. Maybe they'll start with Gasol and then make the switch to Harrell eventually. Maybe Harrell just comes off the bench. I don't know. Maybe he's the sixth guy, the first guy off the bench. Maybe a sixth man of the year again. Yeah. See, it's, so Lakers are really just playing with house money now, now, now that they're champs. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's way too early to say this, but I smell a repeat because <laughs> they just I mean, it looks good, yeah. Better. It's looking uh, great. But fortunately, good thing we get to watch a whole season. <laughs> yeah. I can't take another this, uh, another this lockdown, you know. Yeah, for real. Uh, and, and it starts pretty soon here. But let's, let's move out east now to – dude, this is a dark horse. This is a legitimate dark horse. Uh, the Lakers lost Rajon Rondo, but he's going to fit right in just like the other big pickups for the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, so uh, we were talking about just, just now starters. Who's going to start for the Lakers 4-5? and five. But now like, I'm looking at this. Who's going to start like you know 1-2 and two for the Hawks, right? Because you have Herter, who's pretty good, right? Herter's a pretty good player. And yeah. he's like he's kind of like preferably, you know, you might want to have your, your splash brother back up, whatever. But you could also start Rondo with Trey Young at the 2. Uh, or like, you know, Rondo at the two or whatever, um, you know, so you could actually have like a, a two, basically you have two point guards basically running the show. And I think uh, we'll see that uh, lineup. I don't think they'll necessarily start that, but yeah, like it, I think one of the best things about Rondo and the same thing can be said about Chris Dunn is that gives you the ability to hide Trey Young's defense. Yeah, yeah, and um, it, that goes for yeah. I think you, you uh, Chris Dunn as well, uh, like you just mentioned. But um, now I'm I'm looking at the Roto World website, and they have Cam Reddish listed as a shooting guard. I thought he was a small forward, but it doesn't really matter, right? Yeah, it's he's a positionless a game. Um, and you know, so Gallinari, we expect him to start. So Gallinari, he's kind of more of a four, right? He's kind of more of like the stretch four kind of guy. And John Collins, I mean, people always talk about how he's like a power forward. He can also play center. I guess he's not known for his defense, but he is kind of like a 20 and 10 type of player. Uh, and they still have Clint Capella, who's coming off, of, like, I think, an Achilles injury. Um, yeah, let, let's see what the injury is on uh, Capella. But, yeah. And they also have DeAndre Hunter, who's like in his second year. And, like, you know, we expect him to make, you know, some moves this year. Yeah, Those so two a, players, Hunter and Reddish, are pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of young talent. And yeah, so it's uh, no restrictions at Atlanta's mini camp. That's of uh, September 23rd on, on Roto World. And so that's a good sign for the Hawks because, yeah, you mentioned that starting lineup, and it seems more cut and dry for them. I don't know if it's going to be Herter or Reddish uh, at that shooting guard spot because I think Cam Reddish is a guy who's got tremendous potential and uh, seems like someone you could almost easily forget when you look at this, this Hawks roster and the names that are going to jump off the page at you are Trey Young, 
Danilo Gallinari, John Collins, and Clint Capella. But then with the insane potential of DeAndre Hunter and uh, Cam Reddish, and then even a really nice sneaky pickup in the draft with uh, Onyeka Okongwu out of USC, that's a guy who's getting Bam out of bio comps. Uh, he's an absolute beast. I, I got to cover him a little bit uh, this year. I saw the Colorado Buffaloes host the USC Trojans, so I got an up-close look at him. I was impressed. And uh, honestly, this the reason I use the term dark horse is because this team could have a home court advantage, not just make the playoffs, but have a home court advantage this year when you look up and down the line. You're adding uh, – the, the problem last year wasn't the offense, it was the defense. Now you have Chris Dunn. You have Rajon Rondo. Uh, Clint Capella already made him better that, and we haven't – did we even see Capella in a no, hockey uniform? No, he, he was injured with the Rockets. Yeah, so, like, we didn't really – we don't even know what that looks like yet. And uh, Collins, he, he's getting better at defense. They even added uh, Tony Snell, who's, like, a solid defender. That's about it. But, you know, up and down, this is a super deep team. They're going to be able to uh, present a lot of matchup problems because they're a big team and they can really shoot. Gallinari is a really good passer. He can kind of, like you said, he can play the three or the four. I've seen them listed uh, interchangeably. It kind of reminds me of those. Uh, who, who is the, the, he's the coach of the Pelicans now uh, Van Gundy. It, it reminds me of the Stan Van Gundy magic, the way they had, it was Richard Lewis and, um Turkoglu Turkoglu yeah and so like technically one was a power forward one was a small forward but really they were both kind of like the they're same. like the same <laughs> they're the same yeah. kind of player and so the ability to stretch the floor you're gonna have with John Collins who's uh I'll, I'll pull up his stats here but that's a really good shooter uh it's gonna create so much space for Trey Young you're gonna be able to pick and roll with Capella you're gonna be able to pick and pop with Gallinari or John Collins and you have, you know, one of the a historically good passer in Rajan Rondo. Like, I think that the Hawks are one. Like, I don't know what the odds are. I don't know if the odds are out, but I'm ready to put money on money down that they absolutely are a playoff team. Yeah, they certainly look that. I mean, they're certainly on that trajectory. Um, Rondo's like one of the greatest like floor leaders of our time. Yeah, and he's um, going to make Trey Young better. He's literally a coach. I mean, like he's like you could just tell that Rondo wants to be a coach, and uh, yeah, Colin if the, if the player coach was an option, three. what's that? He shot forty percent from three, John Collins this year. Oh well, yeah, yeah, Collins has been he's been improving his range. Yeah, uh, so basically everyone in that lineup can shoot except for Capella. Yeah, um, twenty-two. So yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, John Collins, right? Twenty-two. Yeah, at least he was last year. Let's see, his uh, birthday is uh, September twenty-third. So, so yeah. Twenty-three right now. Okay, twenty just turned twenty-three. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, but yeah, no, like Rondo is going to be he's going to be great for that team, and I'm really I'm really looking forward to them uh, next season. Now, like I I know I talked about like I always talk about like how uh, whoever comes out to like the the best start is probably going to be you know the top seed or the number two seed or something like that. I can see Atlanta being that team. I can see Atlanta you know coming off to like a quick five and zero start. And then the you know, next thing you know, next thing next week, you know, they're they're ten and three or something like that. You know, like they're they're rolling. You know, and like, yeah. you know that that's ten games is what like it's like 
it's like seven percent of the season right there you know yeah um so yeah man like it's just take 10 games at a time basically um so i i could see them having home court advantage uh i mean if we ever you know i'm not expecting that but like you know, having like a, a higher seed, fourth yeah. seed or something like that. I can also see them, you know, having some injury troubles and going like the sixth or seventh seed or something like that. But yeah, I agree that they're definitely a playoff team. Um, and another team that I think that also could be similar to like that hot start team that can get up to a really nice hot start, the Blazers. I can see them being kind of a dark horse. Yeah, let's move uh, Everyone's on. always like underestimating them season to season. Even I'm doing I'm I'm always underestimating like season to season they're going to miss the playoffs, you know, some that kind of stuff, or like, you know, they're not going to win 54 games or whatever. And they end up winning, yeah, like, you know, 55 games or, you know, so I think they the Blazers. Can, a bad start last year, but. Yeah. Yeah. They got off to a rough start and you know, now they're, now they're ready. You know, now they're ready to like, you know, just go like they're, they're just kind of in that mode. It's like, screw it. We're just going to go all in now. Um, and you know, I, I, they're, I don't know about like desperate is the word, but like they they really, want to win with this you know with Lillard and McCollum because yeah. all this time you see people say you can't win with that kind of backcourt and you know it's it's valid because they're both you know really short and they're both you know they're not you know good defenders so yeah I, I mean like the Blazers are going to be and, and I know you guys uh, are about to record a closure series on them tomorrow but um that's another team that I think could also make some noise if yeah. if things go right for them because Nurkic is he might be the second best player yeah, I mean, I think uh, Nurkic is in the most underrated player in the NBA conversation. I think I'm higher than most on Nurkic, but he is just a super, super complete player. And uh, he's ah, he's at least a top five passing center. Like the best two passing centers in the NBA are Jokic and Bam. And then it's probably Nurkic. And, uh, you know, you got to see him kind of extend that range in the bubble a little bit. He only shot 20% from three, but I think he's working on that part of his game. And that's going to be crucial for the Blazers uh, if he can kind of extend there. But even if he can't, he's such a beast, the Bosnian beast, as they call him down low, that, you know, he's a guy who can do 20 and 20 on any given night. Uh, despite coming back from the inter- injury, he had a career high 17.6 points per game last year. And, uh, you know, that, that 10, 10 and a half rebounds. Uh, he's a guy who gets steals, who gets blocks. He averaged two blocks a game. Granted, he only played eight games, right? Uh, so, you know, these stats shouldn't be taken too seriously. But as you mentioned, he could be the second best player on that team. And, you know, Hassan Whiteside is gone now, but they have another good passing big in Harry Giles and it's going to be interesting. We haven't seen a ton of that. Uh, we haven't seen a ton of Harry Giles just because uh, there were, it was kind of a log jam in the front court. In yeah. Sacramento. What I have seen from him is that, man, he can make some really nice plays and he's yeah. very, and he's like a very competent type of player. Like he's, he has like a decent, like 15, 20 footer, you know, jump shot. Yeah, uh, and Cantor is back for them too, which is like you know, Nikki he actually played pretty good defense um, against Jokic in that series. Well, I, I, I shouldn't say oh, Jokic he, because I shouldn't say Jokic because the, the, because Jokic went he had like twenty eight and seven or whatever he, he averaged yeah, I mean, that much. But like Jokic the first died. round, <laughs> I remember the first round. I like the, like Cantor would go on like these like runs in like the first minute of the game. It'd be like six points because of Edenis Cantor like post. 
yeah. you know, against it'd be against the Nuggets too, you know, like just they they just start the game running through the center and then he just scores like, you know, quick six points for them. Well, he was he was a nice fit for Portland and I think he's gonna be happy to be back. And so that's like some serious depth. Uh, you know, Nurkic is going to be your guy who should be getting, you know, 35 minutes a game, but then Giles and Cantor, either one of them can play the power forward if needed, uh, but both decent backup centers. And then uh, the, the big splashy, sexy move for them is to get Robert Covington. And um, I think an underrated move is also getting Derek Jones Jr. Because these are two guys who fix their, or I don't want to say fix, but really alleviate some of their biggest problems. And that was uh, trouble on defense. Covington was playing some center with the Rockets for obvious reasons. That was a very small team. But this is a guy who's going to be able to play three through five. It's going to give him lineup versatility. Uh, Derek Jones, you can say some of those similar things because of just his sheer athleticism. And so I think, you know, Carmelo apparently can still play too, but this takes a lot of pressure off Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum. It doesn't just have to run through those two guys anymore. When you have a healthy Nurkic, uh, pretty good Carmelo Anthony an emerging Gary Trent. And then uh, some just random scoring kind of splattered throughout your roster with uh, guys like Cantor or Rocco. Cause Rocco is a really good shooter too. Even this guy the ball in his hands, which is so key yeah, for a team like the that's Blazers. true. Even this, their backup point guard, Anthony Simons, like he, he can go off on certain nights. You know, I think two years ago he went off against like the Kings or whatever. He scored like forty points or something. But um, that you know, that, and that basically like clinched them the third spot two years ago. I think two seasons ago, or I should say last season, twenty nineteen. Um, but yeah, no, I'm very you know, I think the Blazers. You know, this also, you know, the Covington move. And also getting back Rodney Hood and Derrick Jones, like kind of alleviates, you know, Carmelo Anthony's load too. Yeah, and I hope Rodney that. Hood's healthy because when he's good, I believe in him as a player. But he has uh, had just such a strange career. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he really has. Ending up on that 2018 Cavs team, like how? And then wouldn't go into the game. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he he was bad with the Cavs. Mm-hmm. I wanted the Bulls to draft him. I mean, he's a six-eight uh, wing with major scoring ability. He came out in the 2014 draft. Uh, you know, went to Utah, but then before the Cleveland trade, you know, he's averaging 17 points a game for Utah. Yeah. But he hasn't been that same player since. And then uh, coming off an injury, I'm rooting for him. I think confidence was the big issue in Cleveland, but. He's kind of a mystery man. I don't know what to expect from him. Do you think he's going to be the next Jeff Green? I think he can be better than Jeff Green, but I see I see why you're bringing Jeff Green up. <laughs> well, I mean like I mean like if he has a talent, I mean and you know he's a 6 foot 8, he's a wing who can go off on some nights, but you know he's like kind of inconsistent. He when was a hero in that he's he, good. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was a hero in that four overtime game. Yeah. Against the Nuggets. I mean, he was he was uh bailing them out a lot in that series. Yeah. So he, yeah. he's the guy I got my eye on. But um yeah, I guess we'll save some of this for a boss tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, we we went on uh pretty deep into the Blazers anyway. So yeah. Yeah. um maybe I'll tell a boss we'll talk about something else. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> Right. Oh yeah, but what one move I actually want to talk about that Denver made that I love. They got this okay. guy, this Argentinian guy, the guard 
Fachundu Campazzo. I don't know how you say I don't know. I think that's how you say Campazzo. Fachundo Campazzo. I think it's Fachundo. I think that's it. Fachundo. You know, it seems like a Star Wars name. Yeah, yeah. But he, uh, his nickname is The Magician. I don't know. Tell me about him. I don't know about him. And I'm a Nuggets fan. So, I should. Well, I mean, the, well, I, I don't know. I, you know, I wouldn't expect you guys to know because, you know, he's uh, – I, I literally only came across this guy through, like, some video, I think, on FIBA. You remember? Yeah, I, I, I the just FIBA canceled page. my Argentina league pass, so. <laughs> <laughs> this Okay, so there's this one shot that he makes when, like, their team – Argentina is up by one point, and he does, like, this half-step – you know, like you know how you go into like a pose and half spin and he turns back around, kind of like a corkscrew. Okay. He does a corkscrew fadeaway three and swishes it. Oof. That's, that's like a nice. clutch shot, and he's like such like the ballsiest shot that you'll ever see. And they're winning by one. So if you miss, it's like what the, what the fuck are you doing? You know. And the the Nuggets have done a pretty good job finding uh, good foreign players. I mean, their two yeah. best players are foreign people. Yeah forget that jamal murray is not an american he is a right. Canadian. yeah that's right um but yeah like he uh i mean like the fact that his nickname is the magician i mean it's just it says a lot because like you know i saw that play and i was like oh my god i have to follow him on twitter right now because wow. that was an amazing shot you know <laughs> so like you know he you know i saw that maybe last like uh, maybe like in like august or something like that a few months ago you know, I just, I just randomly came across that. I went to like his YouTube highlight thing, you know, maybe like yesterday or, you know, two days ago, um, someone on the comments was saying that he should have joined the Mavericks and because you know, huh. it would have been cool. And someone who replied to him said that he used to play with Luca in Madrid. How about that? So like that would have been the perfect fit. But now, you know, I saw another comment was just like, he's going to be a great fit with Jokic and, you know, Nuggets are you know going to be so entertaining, even more entertaining than already. So I'm, very, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm expecting this guy to come off the bench probably, but I'm expecting him to, you know, it's weird because, you know, like it was, sometimes if, with these kind of players, we don't really see that kind of flashiness all the time, you know, remember like Tio Dosic, you know, he'd yeah. have some, you know, he was, he was known for the, the same kind of style, right? And he was good for a little bit and then disappeared. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really don't know what happened to him. It's, it's like Prigioni. Like, what happened to these guys? Like, Prigioni, Prigioni came in, he was like 35 years old. He was a rookie 35-year-old, yeah. which yeah. is, you know, it's an amazing dream to, that he, you know, committed to making it to the league. You know, I'm sure he was already a legend or an all-star in Europe. But, oh. like, yeah, Tia Dosic, like, he's, like, he, he was, like, really amazing in Europe. This guy, Fachundo Campazzo, he's, he's a two-time EuroLeague champion. I think one of them, obviously, with, or both of them, maybe with Luca. Um, okay. But, yeah, no, like – just like an unbelievable player and he's probably going to be like a great fit. Uh, so yeah, like sometimes you don't see that flashiness Ray for Austin, you know, he's a street ball legend. We didn't really see any of the flashiness. Was he hot sauce? Uh, he was skipped to my Lou. Skip to my Lou. Yeah. That was his, uh, that was his pickup name. And I remember growing up hearing that name a lot, you know, like the 2009 playoffs, you know, skip to my Lou and he really carried them or, you know, I wouldn't say carry, but he he was a big part of the 2009 run. Um, to kind of, my opinion on the Nuggets here, I wish I was more confident, but I'm concerned. Uh, I don't think that they're going to be a very good defensive team. Like, Jokic is an improved defender. Jamal Murray is an improved defender. Uh, but Michael Porter Jr., I don't trust. And frankly, like, none of those guys are locked down. I think Jokic is a, to the point where you can't call him a bad defender anymore. I think he's a good defender, especially uh, on ball. But he's never – I don't think he's ever going to be an elite defender. 
just because he doesn't have that kind of like athletic ability. You know what I mean? He's not going to be Dwight Howard in the low post. Um, but a lot of their best offensive players are bad defensive players. And that is less okay now. That's never a good thing, but that's less okay now because Jeremy Grant is now a piston. And so who did the late or who did the nuggets put on LeBron? Jeremy Grant. Who did they put on Anthony Davis? Jeremy Grant. Who did they put on Kawhi Leonard? Jeremy Grant. And so their stopper is gone. And Will Barton's going to be healthy, but Grant was someone who could guard three through five. And I don't think he was necessarily a liability on offense either. He could, he could knock down some threes. He wasn't super consistent, but every once in a while he'd have a decent little game, but they don't have that athletic versatile defender anymore. And I think that uh, while Michael Porter Jr. is already a really good rebounder, he has such a long way to go on the defensive side of the floor. Uh, Bowl Bowl is still a bit of a project. I think that the Nuggets to beat teams are just going to have to flat out outscore them with an insane offense. And that could happen, but I don't think they're a contender and uh, a lot of people seem to think that Jay Michael Green is going to fill the void for them. I'm not one of those people. Yeah, the Nuggets are in a weird spot because, you know, all these – I mean, you see some of these other teams that are kind of making like – you know, like the Blazers are making all these moves and stuff like that. The Nuggets are kind of looking over there, kind of like – kind of plateauing a little bit. Um, maybe getting like maybe slightly worse. I don't know. But maybe they – I mean, like Bull Bull must – like. I feel like a lot rides on him now, you know, going into the future. And Michael Porter, those two guys. It's like, is he even going to crack the rotation, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because, like, I, I think the re- the only reason, frankly, I think Paul Millsap back is back is because Jeremy Grant is gone. Paul Millsap mm-hmm. is a solid defender, but he's – I think he's, like, got to be around 36 at this point. I'll go ahead and yeah. look that up. But this is a guy who's not as quick as he used to be, and uh, they're they're going to need – a lot out of him this guy came into the league you know in 2006 so yeah so he's uh 35 and he's gonna be 36 in february uh he shot 43 and a half percent from three last year he's gonna help offensively he's he's still a good defender but this guy is not the all-star he was in atlanta yeah i mean Nuggets are – it's a tough spot to be in for sure because, you know, when you look at the teams that – you know, the teams that missed the playoffs last year that we expect to make them this year. Like, we think Phoenix might make it this year. Phoenix is good enough to make it at least. Yeah. And then you also have a team like the Warriors who might be like eight or ninth seed. Who knows? Um, but the Nuggets, I mean, I'm not saying that they're going to be that team that misses it, but, like, it really could come down to that, you know, because like they don't have like enough depth or it could be, you know, maybe they have a bunch of injuries this year or something like that to the wrong guys. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's definitely like a, uh, it's like the Blazers like a couple of years ago, you yeah. know, like they're, kind of, they're plateauing a little bit. Yeah. And it's, what it's going to come down to is uh, one simple question. Is Jamal Murray a superstar? Yeah. Yeah, really. I mean, uh, I mean, we we all know Jokic and Murray is like that combo has been is like really amazing, and also Gary Harris. Like, can he step it up again? You know? Yeah. So it it gets a little murky there. Uh, let's move on to uh, a team that is making some major changes philosophically, or at least that's what it seems. Daryl Morey is out. 
DeMarcus Cousins is in. James Harden, I don't know. <laughs> it's, a, it's November 24th, guys. So if you're listening to this and James Harden is now a member of the Nets or, you know, Russell Westbrook is a member of the Clippers, um, you know, sorry we weren't uh, in the time machine for this. But um, <laughs> we don't know what's going to happen. And uh, But you look at that team and – it's not a small ball team anymore. It's a very interesting team, though. And uh, depending on DeMarcus Cousins' health, they could be solid. I absolutely love the uh, Christian Wood pickup. They have him listed as a center. I'm not buying that. If I were uh, the head coach there, I'd probably start Wood at the four and Cousins at the five. I guess that depends what DeMarcus Cousins you're going to get. But on paper, you're kind of looking at Russell Westbrook, James Harden, uh, Daniel House, who I was really impressed by, and then uh, Christian Wood and DeMarcus Cousins is your five, and that, that's solid, and it's a hell of a lot bigger than it was last year. Yeah, and then you also have, like, some nice filler pieces, right? Like, you still have Gordon, but Gordon, I feel like he might be on the way out soon. If, if Russ Westbrook is traded, I think he might be gone too. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I think P.J. Tucker should still start at the four. Um, okay. and I don't know if you saw like this report about, uh, this, this, I think this came in like all this dirty laundry came out about the Rockets coincidentally, right? Lately, you know, Daryl Morey just left. Um, and there, there was like some complaint or something like that about, uh, in the locker room back in January about, you know, certain players, you know, kind of complaining about you know, not getting their touches and that kind of thing. Oh, just kind of stuff that. like that. Daniel house was one of those guys. I'm like, Daniel house, who are you, bro? <laughs> like if you're <laughs> like. If you're James Harden playing about it, it's one thing, right? But Harden, he gets a ball every possession. If you're Eric Gordon, that's another thing too. Because Eric Gordon used to be a very good player, and it's like you know he's kind of he's like in such a he's his role is in such a box now. Where like I, I'd be frustrated too if I were Eric Gordon. Well, but I mean, Daniel I'd be frustrated if I was on the if I was Daniel House. I mean, frankly, it was like you know I'm not saying it doesn't work, but I am saying I don't like it. I hate isolation basketball. It's just not pretty to watch. Yeah, and also the fact that Daniel House like is pretty much the one of the reasons why they left the bubble so soon. They were kind of so broken after that incident. Remember that game three yeah, or whatever? Yeah, uh, a key key member of that team. Yeah, man. I say, like, I mean, man, like you just can't do that, man. Like, who who the who the hell are you? You're a local kid, man. I thought you'd be like really grateful that you're starting for the Rockets. You know, well, like, do you ever do this? Sometimes I do this when I'm watching the Houston Rockets. I I count in my head or I watch the shot clock and I count how long James Harden dribbles. And yeah. It, I'm, it I imagine, what seconds. do you think is the average 17 seconds? I mean, it's just ridiculous. I'm like, dude, you just wasted the entire shot clock and then took a bad shot. And so, I mean, we're going to see how that changes. Uh, who, who's, who's the new coach. I know his dad was a coach for Steven really Silas. Yeah. There, there you go. Paul Silas's son. And so, yeah, yeah we'll and, see and what... their coaching staff has been looking okay too. And and Gabriel's high, high on the Rockets still. Um, but... Yeah, I I think I mean, there there's still some value on that team. I mean, I think they can be in a similar spot last year. Yeah, I I think they'll be like better just because they'll be more. They're not forced to play small ball now. Yeah. Because there were some teams like it's like, it's like it felt like they were kind of chained to it. It was just weird. I mean, it's like yeah, I think it was kind of like Maury's last stand. They thought they were going to get Tristan Thompson, they didn't, and then they're like, PJ Tucker, get get out there. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know, man. 
uh, I think that the- I mean, like when you look at like the just the roster, it looks like they're trying to build it similar to that team a couple of years ago that you know nearly made it to the finals. Uh, the only question is that Westbrook is not Chris Paul, <laughs> yeah. or at least his style is not similar to Chris Paul. And Westbrook uh, has to evolve. I feel like we talk about it every off season. Yeah, the, and the thing is, like point. he's he's what thirty two now. He's he's not he's never going to evolve. It's you just that we have to find the right spot the for him now. Later, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well. You know, let me. Now you talk about evolution. The master baiter. He's evo, He's his evolution has been pretty amazing. Uh, I'm yeah. talking, of course, of the 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 master master baiter, James Harden. Yeah. James Harden. Um, it's pretty amazing evolution. But I don't think he will ever get traded to the Nets. At least not not yet. I could see the Sixers more than the Nets because the Sixers at least have something to offer. Right. The Nets, like, come on now. Like, do you think they're like? Would they actually take that? No way. Yeah, because they. I mean, they pockets aren't dumb. Give them all their B plus players for an A plus player. Yeah, and some of those guys might not even be like. You know, they might be just be solid Bs or B minuses. You know, yeah, just like, like I mean, like yeah, Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert. I don't it's know. Like solid, they're, they're okay players, but it's oh, like Joe for Harris, James Harden. James Harden is, is too good for that. Like, yeah, he's too good to get moved. And like you know, I and think the Rockets Gabriel was mentioned do it unless like it's kind of like that anthony davis situation right yeah go, even if he wants out it's like well you're not going out because we're not getting fair value for you so you better suck it up yeah and like the rockets have you know gabriel said before they've basically catered to all his needs in the last five years yeah seven eight years whatever now that's been seven eight years now since he's been since he's been traded which is crazy yeah. um so yeah like i don't know i mean it's like the Rockets go down when James says it goes down, basically, you know? Yeah. Well, let's move on to uh, some of these interesting teams. We got uh, three teams left in there. Or, I'm sorry, we, we got one more one more uh, winner, free agency winner. We got to talk about the Phoenix Suns. Yes. Yeah. Um, wait, wait, wait. We got to go back. Quick trip down memory lane, folks. We got a story for you involving the Phoenix Suns. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So right, right before I moved to Montana, uh, Hami and I went to the Bulls Suns game in disguise as Suns fans. So we have a connection. Yes, and uh, it was very exciting because you know we saw Devin Booker up close, and we had he had a chase down block on Barkin, and I remember I was cheering a lot at that moment. <laughs> oh, that was awesome because uh, we snuck down to the to the 116 whatever section 116 or whatever yeah we right had behind a, the basket and i yeah. did that i did that another time that same season uh got bowl sixers that came down to like the last possession so those two games that we went that i went to that year when i went like snuck down both of them basically came down to like the last two minutes which was amazing which everything you wanted a basketball game yeah and uh if, if you're the suns right now i mean you got to feel better than you have in years, right? If you're a Suns yeah, I, I tell you, our our fans who were back then, they didn't know what was coming back then. You know, those two people who were sitting, you know, were, it looked like yeah. us, were in Suns gear. We couldn't have imagined what our fake favorite team was going to do, <laughs> you know? It's it's incredible, man. Like, I, you know, everyone's talking about how they needed, like, a new – like, they needed a playmaker. That was last year. or That was the offseason last year. They got rookie Rubio. All right, great. And then they kind of, like, soared for, like, a pretty good – you know, they had a good start of the season and a, a perfect end of the season, literally a perfect end of the season. But they had a really good start to the season. They're one of those teams that had got up to a pretty hot start. Um, then Aiden got suspended, right, for 25 games. This, this has been a roller coaster year for the right. Suns. That's the thing, because if he doesn't get suspended, they're in the playoffs. 
Right. Yeah. I mean, and like it's 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 crazy because like they did everything they could do, you know, when they got when they went to Orlando to win every single game, and they just needed you know outside circumstances to get them in, and it never happened, unfortunately. Uh, so I, I, you know, Devin Booker, he's been he's due, he's due for a playoff run now. Uh, it's just unfortunate because the Western Conference is so good. So I really don't know where the Suns would be in in like yeah. you know looking at the standings, like because yeah. you look at the Thunder, that's one of those teams that should probably go to, out of the playoffs. We'll probably yeah, be out of the playoffs like this year. Be out of the playoffs. They seem to be kind of... Imagine if the Suns made it to the five seed. I mean, I wouldn't rule it out. Like, I'm all in on DeAndre Ayton, man. And I really like the Jay Crowder pickup. It makes them better defensively. The Chris Paul pickup makes them better defensively. It makes them better offensively, too. And, uh, you know, Devin Booker was absolutely on fire in the bubble. And so if Aiton isn't suspended, and like I said, like they're probably a playoff team last year, the guy averaged 18 and 12, essentially. Uh, like, why not? Why not? The, the Phoenix Suns could be really good. The Phoenix Suns, I think it's a similar conversation to what we had about the uh, Atlanta Hawks in the Eastern Conference. It's this team that was kind of like, wow, they're really interesting, but they might need a little bit more. And they got just a little bit more. Uh, you know, Chris Paul and Devin Booker is going to be dangerous. I like Mikhail Bridges. Uh, Jay Crowder is a good fit. Dario Saric was a key re-signing. And then you have uh, DeAndre Ayton, who's one of the best centers in the NBA when he's on the floor. And then, uh, you know, people are pretty high on Jalen Pretty Smith. good filler, too. You got Galloway, who's like a good backup guard. Etwan Moore is like a solid player. Yeah. So I, I don't know a ton about uh, Jalen Smith, but like, yeah, people are high on him. That's a good yeah. early pick. Cam Johnson, he's, he's a pretty nice player. Like I, I can see Chris Paul unleashing a guy like Cameron Johnson. I mean, how much better is DeAndre Ayton going to be with Chris Paul? I call Oh, it yeah, Paul that's true too. I mean, Chris yeah. Paul made Capella look unstoppable. Yeah, I mean – Can you imagine made... what he'd make Felicio look like? Oh, my goodness. Like, if, you, if you saw what Dwayne Wade – I mean, Dwayne Wade basically gave Felicia that contract with all those alley-oops to him and Rondo too. You know, uh, Dwayne Wade with a side of Rondo. But, like, he pretty, pretty much gave Felicia that money. Imagine, yeah, Chris Paul with, like – and I'm talking, like, like you know, 2009, 2008 or whatever, Chris Paul. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine that with current Felicia. would be pretty unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, uh, he made – Tyson Chandler was a really good player, but he made Tyson Chandler look like an absolute monster, you know. Yeah. Uh, in New Orleans all those years ago. But, yeah, you know, Devin Booker is coming off his first All-Star campaign and, uh, you know, about 27 points per game, 35% from three. And, like I said, he just went on an absolute tear down the stretch. And the Suns didn't lose in the bubble. And so this is a team riding some insane confidence. And, you know, you kind of look up and down the the depth chart there, and it's it's a lot of shooting. Um it's it's two really good ball handlers. I don't think that they're – I think they make the playoffs. I don't think they make much noise in the playoffs. But, I mean, that Booker-Ayton combination is going to contend for a championship someday. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, and one more thing I wanted to mention uh, that I mentioned at the very start of the show. Uh, I think – I don't know if we mentioned that Bogdanovich signed a sheep for with the Hawks. But I forgot he's a restricted free agent. So Sacramento could match that. They have like six hours to match it, basically. Okay, good, good to good to. So basically, 
after, after by the time this episode is released, he will be there on the Kings or the Hawks by now. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, and even even Bridges, you know, he he could be an interesting uh, guy who kind of takes that third year leap. Uh, they call him Noodles, Inspector Go Go Gadget, String Bean, Brittle, Praying Mantis. Some good nicknames there, but. Whatever you call him, he shot 36% from three, and you're going to be able to uh, create a ton of space for the Chris Paul pick and roll and with all that spacing you're going to have. Yeah, I can't wait to see Chris Paul go to work there. I mean, he's going to – Chris Paul and Devin Booker, like, that's a nice backcourt there. Yeah. It, uh, it's going to be interesting. Let's, let's move on to some, some of these teams that are just like, okay, huh. Uh, the interestings we have listed. We have the, the Celtics, the Pistons, and the Sixers, and then we'll probably wrap it up here. But uh, the Celtics, Gordon Hayward is gone. And uh, we'll have to have another show to talk about uh, the Charlotte Hornets. <laughs> <laughs> but Hayward's gone, which I don't think is that big of a deal because Tristan Thompson's there, and they needed a rim protector. They needed a, a center that wasn't six foot eight. Yeah, well, Hayward being gone kind of, you know, freeze up that, you know, little log jam they had there. So now they have like a complete five now. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, the solid, I mean, like I mentioned before, they've had a pretty quiet off season. Um, you know, I, I, like they got Jeff Teague, which is a kind of like a random pickup, but you know, now, now that I look at this roster again, like it actually is a great move by them because it's always good to have like a backup, you know, ball handler and smarts also, he can, he's also can, you know, you know, be a, kind of a point guard, play that role. Uh, this kid, Romeo Langford, I think, for, you know, he's from Chicago. I think he's from Chicago. They're high right? on him. Yeah, yeah. So, like, he's another guy who's, like, like you know, he might take some steps to improve this year. Um, but, yeah, no, like, I, now there's, like, well, what were they, the conference finals last year? Yeah, so, like, they're not in a bad spot at all. Like, you know, they kind of plateaued, but, like, they're still, like, a force to be reckoned with because of their, you know, the two Js. Yeah, and, and I think uh, having – Gordon Hayward gone makes the two J's better. It's time to give Jason Tatum the keys to the car. Uh, you know, yeah. Gordon Hayward's been on and off injured his entire tenure with uh, the Boston Celtics. It's a shame. He never really got it going. You know, it's like yeah. first, first day, you know, first minute, you know, playing in actual time. Fucking leg off, man. <laughs> Horrible. Were you, were you watching that game with me? Uh, I think I actually was, I think at the, at the radio station then, but, uh, I did not see it until like, uh, maybe like a half hour later. Yeah. I was, I was uh, watching that live at my house in Wrigleyville and it was gruesome, but I mean, yeah, this, this probably makes Marcus smart, a starter, which I think is long overdue. And that gives you some really good defensive energy. And so like, it's weird to call it addition by subtraction because I don't think that's necessarily what it is. They lost a good player in Hayward, but they became a more balanced team. And I think that that might mean more wins. So, I mean, like, did they get better? I don't know. Did they get worse? I don't know. I do think that they're going to be able to play a a more normal style of basketball, you know, like, one thing that they did get substantially better at is protecting the rim. And that's where, like, you know me, man. I was saying from day one that the Heat were going to – I thought maybe it would go seven, but I, I, there was never a point where I thought the Celtics were going to win that series against the Heat. And the reason I said that is because Bam Adebayo is going to eat them alive, and he did. 
But now you have someone who can at least stand up to Bam Adebayo and Joel Embiid. And if you can't stand up to those guys, you have no business coming out of the East. And even Brooklyn uh, with an emerging Jared Allen and uh, DeAndre Jordan, like you need a good center to be a good team in the East. And so they didn't get some superstar, but they got somebody who's going to be able to get the damn job done. And it's almost good that he's not a star because they have enough stars. Let Brown be an all-star. Let Tatum be an all-star. Let Marcus Smart finally be a starter. And let Kemba Walker do what he needs to do. You don't – it just – like I said, it just fits better. It makes more basketball sense to me. And then also, like, going down, you know, the list of their bigs, they got Robert Williams, Daniel Tice, Thompson, like you mentioned, and Taco Fall, who, like, just signed this deal, I think, like, it's this two-year deal. It's a weird position to be in Taco Fall, right? Because, like – He's kind of like uh, seen as kind of like a circus act, you know. Yeah. But I think he he will be pretty valuable. I think for that team, um, like uh, you know he played pretty well in, in the D League, so I expect him to. I don't know. I expect him to get more playing time this year. Yeah, and I think uh, same thing could be said for Carson Edwards. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what is going to happen with him, but like at Purdue, I was all in. I was like, this guy's going to be a really good six man someday. So, yeah, so. now, yeah, Jeff Teague in the mix now. That's going to be tough. Yeah. Uh, anything else on the Celtics you want to get in there? No, no, but we'll, we'll, let's get to the rival, the Sixers. Uh, pretty okay. busy offseason. Yeah, man, uh, I just want to say that the, the Trey Burke – or I'm not Trey Burke, ex, excuse me, uh, the Seth Curry, Trey Burke yeah. signs with the Mavericks is a direct result of the Seth Curry trade. Mm-hmm. But uh, Seth Curry – is the perfect player to be playing alongside uh, Ben Simmons. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they also had a Danny Green. So they kind of have like a nice two and three there, you know? Yeah. And, and Green is a good defender where, you know, Curry's not necessarily one. And so it, it gets super interesting. Yeah. And then, you know, they also have the guy Thibel. You know, he's, he's, he's pretty good. You know, he's, yeah, like, a lot of people he's one of the best defensive. Star. Yeah, one of the best defensive players. You know, we mentioned Dwight Howard earlier in the show. Yeah. Um, and our guy, power forward, Paul Reed. Yeah. Paul University. And, and I think he's going to be a good pro. I think yeah. he's going to be a steal of the draft, dude. Yes, that's what people are saying. I mean, I, the Sixer fans, you know, they love this pick. They love that they picked up Paul Reed. Daryl Morey is very high on him, saying he's the most underrated player, you know, that they have. I agree with that. I mean, like he's a slashing four. Like people didn't pay attention to him because he went to DePaul. Uh, yeah, I was tweeting at uh, Mike Singer, uh, who, who's a, a guy in Denver, because like last I saw, Paul Reed was projected like late first round. And then after I tweeted th- at him, he like uh, I, I go and check, and apparently he's like a second round projection. But he kind of scoffed at it. Like he, I, I said, you know, who do you want? I, th- I would like them to get Paul Reed. He didn't even address nuggets, my yeah. question. You know, that actually would have been a nice one uh, for the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, yeah. I, so I I'm not thought... crazy. Like he's a really good <laughs> defender who can shoot, who, you know, yeah. who can like a driving power forward in like he just did one year to Paul. Like he's young. He could be a really nice player. Yeah. And so like it, it, take him seriously. Okay, he, he he played more than one year at DePaul. I'm sorry. He played, I think, like two or three. Yeah. But like, you know, I, I remember, like, you know, watching him. He wasn't really known for his jump shot, but he can hit the open three. Yeah. He He's, only shot 30%, I know, but he shot, you know, 40% the year before. Yeah, and, like, I, I expect him to be, you know, 
it's very hard work. He's apparently, you know, people love his work ethic. Um, you know, I mean, like in a play, in a place like DePaul, you know, obviously, you know, not much spirit going on, you know, yeah. with the basketball program. Um, but he was definitely like the best player. I think his last two seasons there, or maybe his last oh, season yeah, he half was there. Oh, away there. I mean, they had a decent yeah, and, team last year before it all fell. And apart. I honestly thought that he would be picked up by the Celtics or the Raptors, okay. and uh, those would have been nice fits for him too. But I like this move by Philly that they, you know, Tobias Harris is, you know, not particularly young. He's going to learn from some of these guys, and he's probably going to be wide open in practice. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I love Dwight Howard backing up Joel Embiid. Yeah. Because like yeah. that, it's a better fit at a better bargain than Al Horford. Cause you're not going to be like Dwight. We need you to play power forward. Let Tobias Harris, Paul Reed play power forward. Like those mm-hmm. are going to be your guys. I think Paul Reed leapfrogs Mike Scott, uh, <laughs> but you could see some Howard and Embiid. But, yeah. like, you know, Embiid's probably going to be at the power forward because he's a better shooter than Howard. But, like, you don't – you didn't really get worse defensively. But the reason I say Seth Curry's such a good fit alongside Ben Simmons is this guy's literally – like, I think he's top five three-point – career three-point shooting percentages ever. Uh, let me see if I can look that up. But you're you're creating space, which was an issue. They didn't have any shooting last year. Uh, in that, I mean, it, it bit him in the ass early and often. And yeah. so it's, it's, uh, it just, I expect him to be on the upswing. What, what was that? I expect him to be on the upswing. I mean, I think they were the fifth seed last year, but they got swept badly by the Celtics. Um, I know, uh, Horford is usually Embiid's kryptonite and they were teammates, I guess you can still say that that was the case uh, when they were with the Sixers, but Embiid had a hell of a series um, against the Celtics. He like he had a great series. It's just it was just everyone else really. So uh, yeah, I mean, finally they added some shooting uh, to the team, but they'll be good. Yeah, I think that they're going to be solid. Um, yeah, Seth Curry. Okay. Yeah, he's actually number two all time. Um, percentage behind Steve Kerr. Behind only Steve Kerr. That's incredible. What what what's the number for for Seth? Uh, forty four two nine four four two nine. And Seifer is what forty five something. Four five four zero. Yeah. So he's literally like a historically good wow. shooter, uh, going to a team that so desperately needed a replacement for JJ Redick. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm really I'm looking forward to that move there by, by the Sixers. I mean, yeah, they got uh, better, right? Yeah, yeah, they got better for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like because you know. He they got Daryl Morey's first thing. I mean, he got rid of the Al Horford thing like a week a week in, you know, a week into his gig. So, yeah, they're they're in a good spot because you know they got they got good management now with them. Uh, let's let's wrap things up with a weird one here. It, it's Hoopstradamus. We have to get weird, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Did, did what what the what the fuck's going on in Detroit, <laughs> man? Here's like, one thing I liked that they did. <laughs> They did good in the draft. They got Killian Hayes and they to pair up with the other French guy, Sekou Dumbaya. So they have a nice French connection there. Uh. <laughs> so they have a good French connection. Uh, but again, I don't know why they went out and got Okafor and Mason Plumley. Yeah. I don't know why. I don't know why they did that. I mean, it it seems like they're kicking the tires on these like lottery tickets. That's what I see when I see Jalil Okafor and uh, Josh Jackson. 
Like Did you see guys, that video of Blake Griffin walking into the train facility? He looks so depressed. <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh, poor. it was just like uh, someone was just like twenty-one-year-old rookie coming in on his first day versus like you know uh, eight the ten-year veteran, thirty-one-year-old or whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, like I last season, actually this time last season, I went to a Bulls Pistons game mostly to see you know Derrick Rose come back and Blake Griffin. I've never seen him play you know in person, so I wanted to have the opportunity. It was disappointing, obviously, because you know Griffin was kind of a shell of himself did now. He play? He did. Griffin did play. Yeah, yeah he was just very quiet at all, and he wasn't healthy all year. And uh, you know, I was getting into it. Uh, you know, my other podcast with uh, my friend Reed, running with the Bulls, we were kind of arguing about Blake Griffin. He he was talking. There were rumors about him going to the Warriors, and I'm like, the Warriors shouldn't want that. Like, I think that that I think that'd be pretty pretty decent move especially now where the Warriors at I think it was like whole... Wiggins or something and like don't get me wrong Wiggins is no superstar but like the fact of the matter is Blake Griffin had a, the worst year of his career last year yeah like definitely. he only played 18 games he was hurt the whole time uh he he went from shooting 36 percent from three the year before and I think a lot of this is because that was like his best season too like yeah. 2019 yeah he, it was like he one went, of his best seasons it was a, a career high in points to a career low and um yeah like the guy is on the wrong side of 30 and the the pistons want to flip that contract badly oh yeah i will say one one good thing that's come out of blake griffin this year is uh his appearance on, on the eric andre show it was actually pretty funny oh that does <laughs> sound funny i haven't seen that yeah well i'll show it to you after this uh jeremy grant that's a that's a good fit i guess like he's you know i already talked about the things he can do uh, because the Nuggets aren't going to have those things anymore. But, uh, you know, I kind of look at this and I'm like, is Jeremy Grant your starting small forward or is he backing up Blake Griffin? You know, uh, I like yeah. this Isaiah Stewart pick up in the draft. I think that guy's got uh, a ton of potential, just kind of be like a, a poor man's Andre Drummond, uh, ironically. And so, mm -hmm. uh, but I don't know, man, like they're trying to win now. And I don't think this is the answer. Like, the only way the Pistons are an interesting team as far as wins go this year is if they win both scratch-offs that are Josh Jackson and Jalil Okafor, who are both guys who are pretty much busts. Yeah. Yeah, and Okafor's game, I mean, I don't know why, you know, because they just moved on from Drummond. It's like, I don't know why, I don't know why they'd make that move. But, again, I don't know. I'm not a GM, but uh, maybe they are like, you know, I know you're saying kicking tires of lottery tickets. I actually thought that you actually meant like they're going to like – rebuild and stuff like that that seems to be the move right i think that's gonna, well, gonna end up happening they'll probably give away derrick rose and they'll try to give away griffin and yeah i don't know start man. rebuilding I mean, because now what i've read they want to be competitive but it just doesn't seem like they have any idea how to do that i mean don't get me wrong dude i i think i'm in the extreme minority here but 20 year old jalil okafor averaged you know 17 and a half points and seven rebounds that's where he peaked but talent doesn't just like go away like he's only what what is he he's 24 25 he definitely has talent it's just like it's just utilizing his strengths it's just like it's kind of I, I don't think it aligns with the pistons you know yeah i just don't know what to make of them but i hope he's their starting center cuz i root for the chicago guys yeah yeah that's valid yeah anything else on the pistons no, nothing really. I mean, we just wanted to say just like, what the hell, you know, once, once we came up yeah, to them. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, next time we hop on the show, we'll have to talk a little bit about uh, 
the Hornets for sure. For and, sure. Um, yeah, man. Been a fun episode. Uh, as always, we want to give a shout out to Evan uh, Butris for the, the artwork he's done for us. And um, no music shout outs this week. But if you haven't already, uh, check out our uh, YouTube channel, uh, Hoopstradamus, and then check out our new uh, basketball time machine with Jerry West. We went really deep on uh, Jerry West had about a it wound up being like a 34 minute show so there's some great footage in there and uh, great for you to kind of see how insanely talented this guy was yeah well, first thing I noticed when I saw him he's, he's a killer I mean he's he's unbelievable man he, I don't know he's, he's mostly just gets forgotten amongst like you know people uh, at least like youngsters but uh, older people you know real ones now yeah like my dad <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, thanks for joining us, guys. We'll see you next time.